Welcome to this episode of the 9420 Podcast, where we talk about the music that we love and the industry that we tolerate. I want to be the man you finally say it to, the song that sings the words you didn't know were true. want to be the music that makes you move, dance and sway. The reason you believe, the chance you take I know it's you I wanna pour my heart into To put the love between
everyone, and welcome to this episode of the 9420 podcast. That was Nate DeRuza with I and You. Hi, Carl and Greg. How are you both doing? Hello, everyone. Hello, Hello my co-podcasters. <laughs> we kind of opened the show with, we went Yacht Rock on y'all. Yeah, right. You know, you know I, I I like that song. It's a sweet, sweet song, but it's nice, sweet. Maybe I'm missing something. The I and you, but wouldn't it be me and you and you and I? Well, well I mean, that's yeah. I'm I'm very confused by the grammar of it. And is there and a reason why you chose that's, I? That's the I, reason. I wonder. You know, that's the reason. Uh, so um, okay. and I think we're supposed to be uh, off. The grammar's off-putting, but uh, it sings well. He chose it on know? purpose, right? Okay. It sings well. It's nice. <laughs> it sings well, uh, but the grammar's terrible. <laughs> Bill Lloyd well. and I wrote a Bill Lloyd and I wrote a song one time that is actually a decent song, but uh, I, I rarely, 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 rarely have ever written a song. But we were writing, and I, the name of the song is "You Might Want Me Yours," which is just like new wave crap. It's new wave grammar. I mean, I think it says something, but it's just weird. I like Billy Joel. You know, I think he writes some decent lyrics. There's one song, Only the Good Die Young, and he has this line called, Might as well will be the one. That line always bothered me. Yeah. Does, does that make sense? Might as well will be the one. I think it's just might as well be the, I might as well be the one, but he yeah. uses the apostrophe S. I always might. thought might as well be the one. You know, it's might as well will be. You didn't, see, you didn't think he says will? I'm going to Google the no. lyrics right now. Hold on. Might as well be. <laughs> There's I thought, a I think he, on the right, baby. He maybe, he maybe threw it in there because of just the syllable, because to sing the syllable, you know? I like the uh, guitar uh, in the track we just heard. Uh, I like the rhythm guitar. It reminded me of that kind of blue-eyed soul R&B kind of yacht rock kind of vibe. Yeah, and 70s, me, 70s. Yeah, it, and it made me think of Bobby Caldwell, who died today. Really? I don't know if anybody's familiar with I have with not Bobby even Caldwell. seen that yet. What You Won't Do For Love is one of... That song will be immortal for the rest of time. What do you like? Have a hotline to obituaries, man? Like <laughs> you always seem to know who died before anybody. No, no. A buddy of mine, <laughs> actually, a buddy of mine is. I don't know if it's a hobby or what, but we've always loved Bobby Caldwell and the people that have been interesting to us and that we followed their careers through the years. He will. He's taken to sending me a text when he and he always seems to find out before I do. So. He just put this morning, R.I.P. Bobby Caldwell. I'm like, damn. Well, I, I have such pet peeves, and one is yeah. I hate R.I.P. Uh, I, I hate R.I.P. If I, I, I see that, I'm saying, like, it's, it's stupid. And two, <laughs> maybe I'm not like, I don't know what this is, but I hate being the, I don't, when someone dies, it's not up to me to spread death. I don't care. But I hate these. <laughs> right. But I have these friends who are like, hey, you know who died? They love to be the first one to tell you. You know? And like, I get, hey. So, so Aren't just, we lucky? <laughs> yeah, like, like, why are you going to spread death? There goes people? another one. <laughs> I don't know, man. Again, nothing to talk about, but there, there, there's this... Um, there's this show I just I just caught on. Uh, it's been around a while. It's not really that new, but I saw it on on Prime. It's called Daisy Jones and the Six. Yeah, I've actually that's on my list to watch it's after like I get through the, a couple it's things. It's like some kind of band biopic, no, well, fake well, band, a biopic. fake band about what I love about it because again it it depicts this band in the late early seventies or that in Laurel Canyon. 
You know, I love the Laurel. I, if, that if is I, your favorite era. If I could I ever like. change my life, I'd say I'd love to be, you know, 17 yeah. in Laurel Canyon, you know, or, or yeah. grow up in LA and be part of that scene. Because um, you would have grown up to be Neil Young. Maybe. <laughs> or, or, or Carl Young. <laughs> but anyway. I get it. <laughs> so, um, but it's, it's kind of good. But I still don't like how they depict, they, they make songwriters like, I still don't think people really depict the truth and how songs get done and bands. Maybe because maybe for time constraints with these TV shows, they gotta shove everything in. But they make it all kind of hokey. They're in the studio yeah. and like it, it doesn't work that way. Like she walks right. in with an idea on a pad, and then three minutes they got this record. Like you know, come on, it doesn't <laughs> right. work that way, man. Back especially back in the seventies where I don't know if you made back in the seventies when they you took two days to get drum sounds. You know. <laughs> Oh, absolutely! It was a joke. Yeah. So and it I don't was know. like, yeah, and it wasn't all these plugins that they use now. It's like, okay, well, the kick, my kick drum is from Abbey Road, and my tom toms and, and, are and, from. And what's with the smoking? Like, you know, I smoked, and we, we used to smoke, but like in the studio, and nine guys are all in this little room smoking, and everybody's smoking, <laughs> and there's no edge. Like, come on! Like, even yeah. when smoking was allowed, you still didn't both smoke in people's faces and filter. You still, you know, it was smoke. You know? Well, it was it was actually a high. <laughs> hierarchy so you know if you they used to say you don't smoke in the control room because that's where the tape is running and the smoke will will, yeah. will mess mess with yeah, the tape you don't smoke but when you if see, you were and, and, a major and, and, label act you got to smoke wherever the hell you wanted yeah you but still you have a little tape machine but you didn't smoke in, in well you're seeing the lead you didn't see that in, in the vocal booth with the cigarettes singing like you know come on <laughs> well unless it's Unless it's Keith Richards or something. Doing Whatever, it's so thing. stupid. Anyway, but I, I kind of liked it though, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's uh, hey, now. Did, let me ask: Did they kind of supervise the music so it's stuff that sounds like seventies, uh, or did they use actual tracks? Well, they they play other songs around like peripheral tracks, yeah. you know, of the right. time, and then right. the and there's nothing too, man. Maybe I'm wrong, but couldn't they get better? songs for the band to play like, i don't know i haven't i haven't seen it or like heard the, the, the it the bands I've just seen the bands like this band's supposed to be like the biggest band of the 70s you know it like broke out to be huge and the songs they play like oh and they're going wow that's brilliant she's brilliant and like and like it's 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 lame it's like can't they just get good songs who's writing these songs at least when they did the monkeys at least when the monkeys were in production you know they would I mean, those songs that were featured on the television show were all hits. Well, yeah, like, the Daydream I mean, Believer you know, was great. You know, like <laughs> you know, um, I love Last Train to Clarksville. It, it was very exactly. cool. But uh, I'm a believer, yeah. But who knows? And Valerie, I mean, I, I've gone. I, this is the strangest conversation. I have gone down a cow sills rabbit hole. Oh, I love the rain, the parks, and other things. It's a great yeah, song. Yeah, isn't that a man. great song? I can't, I can't quit singing it. Well, they were the true uh, life Partridge family. They, they were, were the Partridge family, <laughs> right? Yeah, I mean, the mother, the whole bit. Know. The reason they did not get to be the Partridge family on television is because they had this abusive, bipolar, alcoholic father that like was just uh, maniacal in his management of them. Right. And the mother was kind of abused. And so basically the executives came in, they interviewed this, this act that was out there uh, called uh, the Cow Sills. And they basically said, we need to use actors because we can't use the real people because we don't know 
how this thing is going to blow up. Nobody had ever conceived of reality TV before. Right, right. Uh, what they should have done was film the cow sills, cinema verte, and let him blow up on screen. That would have been That would have been and, shocking and new age for sure. Yeah, exactly. There's this thing that's on underground on YouTube that most people have never heard of, but there used to be a television program. It was called Playboy After Dark. I remember that. And Playboy After Dark was basically Hugh Hefner and him having a cocktail party at his pretend bachelor pad high above the Manhattan skyline or whatever the case may be. And so uh, the Cowsills were actually on Playboy After Dark and they performed two songs and it was kind of groovy and psychedelic and in one of the most cringy television performances in the history of the medium he asks the youngest susan cowsill who's probably 12 he asks her what do you want to be when you grow up and she retorts miss september wow (laughs) yeah just just bizarre. That I think was a cool show. I remember. Months. I know the Grateful the Dead months. were on that show. A lot of cool people. Were oh, on Iron show. Butterfly was on that show, and it yeah. like changed my life completely. He was pretty innovative. You know, you have to everything. Incredibly about. innovative. I just maybe kind of a lecherous knucklehead, but <laughs> uh. anyway. So. That's that. So anything you have to say on Nicole? Well, I think it's funny, first off, that we're like almost 15 minutes into this. And like you're like, we had nothing to talk about. And we just filled a whole 15 minutes with this. Um, (laughs) But People that listen to this thing don't think it's funny. They think like, what the hell are these people talking about? So there's, I guess, three things. And one of them kind of spawned from what you were saying with Daisy Jones and whatever it's called on on, uh, Amazon Prime and The The Six. But they came out with a new documentary, I believe, on Disney Plus, or it's about to come out about Bono. So I don't know if you two really? have seen that or no. heard about that, but that should be something we all watch. If it's if it has no. not come out yet, watch it when it does, because I just saw it slide across like the home just screen. Bono. Yeah. I don't think there would be a, a U two if it weren't for Bono. I think well, yeah, Bono he's definitely he's definitely like you know the ninety nine percent of U two. I disagree. Yeah. I think I think the edge. Is the music actually the 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 uh, title of the tri- of the documentary is literally called Bono and the Edge or something like that? The Edge, I think Edge is the, how I understand how they write their stuff. They basically, like, you know, the Edge goes in with with loops and and ideas and and they just build tracks and then and with the drum they just build a track a vibe and then once the tracks are recorded, then Bono comes in with ideas and just creates words around them and creates. It's a very interesting songwriting process. It's not like two guys sitting down writing words and lyrics, I don't think. I always thought that The Edge kind of created this mystique around how he played and the chord structures because he couldn't play the other licks. I didn't think he was a very good guitar player. I, I, thought that he, I, I think he's innovative. I think he created a, a style that's that's still going on with the you know with, 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 with the tape loops and the delays and stuff. I disagree. Yeah. Well, I, I like the I like the records they make. I mean, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that as a as a technician, I didn't think he was a very good guitar player. I've heard live performances where you know, forget it if you want him to solo. You know, yeah, I mean, but that's not what like, he does. Same thing exactly. with another one like that would be Andy Summers. He wasn't a solo yeah. guitar player, but he wrote yeah. some great 
patterns and structures. There are different, yeah. you know, not everyone's Eddie Van Halen. They kind of I mean? had that sound. They kind of had that sound. Yeah, that that kind of. Uh, but uh, on another, so am I cutting you off, um, Nicole? Did you want to say something more? Yeah, no, all things. I was going to say is I think all three of us should watch the documentary okay. and come back with notes for next. That'll week. be on our list. Yes. the Bono documentary. Go ahead. <laughs> no, you early were kind of Bono. Yeah, what were you going to say, Carl? No, what I was going to say something I found very interesting this week. I just there's a, a, a stat out that, um, and Greg might like this, or you might like this too, that of non-digital uh, product, oh, vinyl, CDs, vinyls yeah, yeah, outpaced yeah. three to one CDs. Records yeah. are back, man. Records are back. Yeah. Vinyl yes, is are. back, baby. Let me say say it, Jay, Greg. Vinyl. <laughs> no. Records, I'll say records, say vinyl. Uh, but I don't think they're back. I think say no. Vinyl. I think I think they are. I think there's a whole new generation that is getting behind it because it's just some one. It's it's, cool. a, it's aesthetically pleasing in people's homes now to have that, and it's like a conversation starter. But I think like Taylor Swift and a lot of the other big bands know that that's another way for them to make money and kind of bypass the the larger streaming outlets. So that people will spend forty fifty dollars on like a classic vinyl that they have um that's coming out with their new record it's insane they're getting 40 bucks you can buy the exact same recording in cd form for 99 cents yeah but i I mean it's just it's just bizarre but that is interesting especially with taylor swift's tour starting this week too because she's a big proponent of vinyls i don't even know is there such thing as a new cd release I don't think so. No, I feel like they just call it a new album re- release now in whatever way, shape, or form you can get it, like whether it's but Apple I, Music No, or... I guess that's not... No, that's not true. I mean, you, you can go to Walmart and get... Uh, well, no, I guess, yeah, because... Uh, Taylor Swift's didn't latest Walmart, um, CD. Didn't Walmart fumble the ball with, like, Morgan Wallen's new CD release where, like, they had it out on kiosks, yeah, like, a day before they, yeah. or something like that? Yeah. Yeah. Same with like Taylor Swift's so new CD. So they still have the they have the these things called one stops, and some of them are gigantic. And they actually are still servicing with physical product. They're still serving as uh, distributors, and they will put these racks of product into these major box stores. And so that that business still exists. I just don't think the sales are what they used to be. You no, know? and I, it's, I don't think it's even. CDs. I think maybe so, but I also don't think it's something that artists advertise even as frequently as they do. Like I've seen in like their social posts and newsletters, they're pushing vinyls or streaming more so than anything else. Well, I would love you know I'd love to see it all go back because I don't think that the streaming experience is what everybody thinks it's cracked up to be. I really don't. I well, mean, there's something cool about like I I have, I have a turntable. If I have more space, I probably would love to get an old like Thorin's turntable, with old Moran stereo and the whole thing. <laughs> and like I love that. I did love that, man. And, like and that and the record and the clean because there was there was there was ritual, you know. We're like now you just yeah, press a button. It. But there's something about opening the record, taking it out. I used to be one of like that dust little bar that cleaned the record, lay it in, and then put I it. I just on. bought one of those. And then like you uh, hear this, yeah. and then it starts. Yeah, I just and, bought one of those. It has the little bottle of uh, salute cleaning solution right, right, right. in it. <laughs> yeah, I, I love the washer. And, is what and plus, it's the record's yeah. good to hold. It's big. You read it. Something to hold on. It's I don't know. There was a whole big. It was well, I better. feel like the sound too is also so different than streaming. Like, there's just something about the quality of like listening to an actual like vinyl record player that like is different than just listening to it through your headphones. Well, you have to have some components in place, but yeah, you can get 
uh, a really great sound out of uh, vinyl recording. You know? you know who probably has one of the better vinyl recording sounds right now, just thinking about it? I think Paul hmm. Lauren. Like, his stuff on vinyl would probably be, like, so well, because fantastic. He's, because he's they're big into using analog equipment as mm-hmm. they record those tracks, yeah. So another aside, yeah, I guess I had more to talk about than I thought. To me, SNL is almost unwatchable these days. But and usually, so often the music act, you know, I really don't like it. It's like either some super trendy, bizarre act or whatever. But last week they had um, the band, the 1975, right? Yeah, we've heard about them a lot. Which on the I didn't podcast. know much about them, but. Anyway, they, they played two tunes and they were great. I've never they, yeah. they, alive as a live band. They were just guitar, bass, drums, had a couple other singers and keyboard, but but they were just a basic cool band. The guys sang good. The songs were just good, great pop songs, and they were yeah. The thirty somethings, the thirty somethings think they're cool. They yeah. were a good band. They were a good yep. band, you know. Yep. And uh, it's uh, so it gave me hope, and also because what they're doing too is very much pop. It's like pop rock. It was great, you know. So, again, from England, you know, I think something about your yeah. European sensibility is always better than, I hate to say it, but... I mean, we kind of proved that point with the band Darling, so... Yeah, what, what, <laughs> they were fantastic. What's going on over there? What, 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 what are we, what's in the water here that we don't, we don't get it, you know? I don't know. I don't know. Are we going to get through this episode without mentioning the word Oscar? Ooh, I hope oh, so. The, oh, I well, hope. you just did. So let's just keep going because that wasn't even part of what I was going to talk about. Oh, yeah. Um, Excellent. So, Excellent. well, I guess maybe the other two things I was going to talk about, Greg, you may not like. But one, South mm. by Southwest is going on right now. And there's currently mm-hmm. a few bands that we know that are performing on some stages. So mm-hmm. that was in the news this week. And then we've got the lovely CRS happening right here in Nashville, Tennessee this week. The day is still young, but... I think I've successfully avoided going to Nashville for the country radio seminar. I will that? not be going there for um, that. Are, are, but. Right. What are we going to start north by northeast? Or what, yes. what? <laughs> <laughs> they, they did a north by northwest uh, oh, in somewhere. I don't know. Seattle, I guess. We but should do that's an, been 20 years ago. We should do a north by midwest, you know. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the last thing I wanted to ask is what Greg's thoughts are for CRS that's happening right now. My thoughts are I don't have to go there. Numerous people ask me for meetings over there, and you know what? Kind of over it. It's interesting. I mean, I spent probably 20 or 30 CRS conventions working my ass off for 72 hours and, you know, literally working 16-hour days over there, and it used to be valuable. I don't have a good sense of how valuable radio, commercial radio is right now because they don't seem to want to innovate into any other listening experiences other than the one they've been running for the last 75 years or 100 years. You know what a fun fact is that I learned this week? So between Tesla, Ford, and there's another car company... All of their new models do not have AM radio in them. Like for some reason, the electric cars, because of the frequency or whatnot, just yeah. they do not include well, that in the dashboard. Most anymore. of most of the AM radio so there's, stations there's something owned there. in America are owned in concert with or the little stuff on the balance sheet of a much larger consolidated. Who listens business. to AM radio? So, 
It's an asset because somebody has acquired the ability to broadcast at that amplitude modulation, right? So it's an asset because the government has given Mm -hmm. you permission via the FCC to have the license to do it. But nobody's listening. So it's like, it's just something that you put on your balance sheet. For those who didn't know, AM means amplitude modulation. (laughs) (laughs) Right. But but the the reality of it is is that it's still an asset, but for most AM radio is that what AM means amplitude modulation? Yeah, I never knew that. So <laughs> what is FM? Frequent, what is frequency, frequency, frequency modulation. modulation? Okay, yeah. Yeah. learn something so, new every day. useless knowledge. <laughs> if I could buy if I could buy every AM radio station in my region. I'd have a ball. I'd be I'd be in heaven. When I was up in college, I, I was a DJ for the radio station, WJFR, yeah. and we had um, forty watts AM, which basically <laughs> which basically it, get on, you uh, over the hill on a clear <laughs> on a clear day. It maybe made it to the parking lot. <laughs> It was. I used to work down in there. The thing is, I think I told the story. So I'm down there in, in the in the DJ booth, whatever. And I was in the basement, right across the hall from the game room, right. And I get these phone calls, you know, for requests. And the only request I would get, it goes, "Hey, I go, yeah, is the game room open? Where's <laughs> <laughs> the pool table available?" That was it. Nobody cared. Oh man. I was. Uh, I. Uh, I was on the air a lot in my college radio station back in the late 70s, uh, and I had this radio show, and I had a, a, a radio name, too, so my name is Robert Gregory Riggle. So I decided what I would do was I would be on the radio on the college radio station as Robert Gregory. <laughs> and so Robert Gregory debuts on the, the, the radio station, and the only airtime I can get is overnight, starting at 11 o'clock at night. Overnight, I had the jazz show. And so I'll never forget, I was at a party once uh, at the uh, fraternity house, and this girl comes up to me and we're chatting one another up. I said, uh, are you into music? She said, yeah, I love music. She said, uh, I'm really into jazz. She said, have you ever heard Robert Gregory that's on the station here in uh, in Greencastle? And I said, uh, I am Robert Gregory. <laughs> Get out of here. <laughs> and she was like, you know, I, I think I, well, I think there may have been uh, much Longer, deeper discussions after that, but good for you, man. So I digress. You're famous. All right, so yeah. enough talking. Do we want to do something? Want to play some music or something? Yeah. So on that note, since we got way off topic and no one really cares about CRS, you, what you topic? Guys, you we guys had... call me. You guys call me Robert Gregory. There was from no Hall. topic. There was right. no Robert, topic. Um, Robert Gregory, WGRE. But why don't we get to our featured artist this week, which is Katie Wade, and hear her single "Revival." But before that, we'll hear from her management company, which is Corp. This episode features an artist from Core Public Relations. Core Public Relations is a Los Angeles and Nashville-based public relations and marketing firm. They represent clients working in entertainment, health and wellness, politics, and fashion. With social media strategies as well as tried-and-true public relations tactics, they consistently deliver powerful and effective campaigns to ensure client success. To learn more, go to corepr.com. That is K-O-R-E-P-R.com. Oh, Lord. 
Can you hear me anymore? Or am I getting drowned out by all the noise? All the chaos and confusion In hopeless isolation It's been really hard to hear your voice But I've seen you move before I know you will win this war Is that like a Christian track? It is. So what's interesting about her is she is a pop country singer-songwriter 
who is originally from the Pacific Northwest, I believe right out of Seattle. But she was in Nashville and now she just moved back, I believe, to the Pacific Northwest to tour there with her latest single and all the other things that are coming out because she's, I guess, taking a new direction in her career. So so this is when you say a new direction. So she's gone more. She's gone more like country Christian. Christian. Yeah, country, country Christian, country. I think. Well, we spoke to that's Katie. A, that's a huge track. We spoke to Katie. You want to hear what she has to say about it? We did. She, Katie answered her questions of the week. So the first question that we asked Katie is to tell us a little bit about herself. What's up, y'all? My name's Katie Wade. I'm a country singer-songwriter, originally from Seattle, Washington, but spent six years down in Nashville, Tennessee, which is where I kicked off my artist career. I am currently based here in the Northwest, Washington State, again, where I am performing, opening for some amazing artists like Russell Dickerson, Riley Green. Adam Craig. My band and I are playing at all these big fairs, festivals, and events, and I love where I'm at right now. I still travel to Nashville often and still do co-writes and record and still have all my Nashville people while being based here in the Northwest. I started singing before I could talk. I've been singing my whole life. I never, though, thought that I would be pursuing it as a career until late high school when I auditioned for the music program at Belmont University in Nashville, Tennessee. Long story short, I got into the program, went to college for four years, got my vocal performance music degree from Belmont, and shortly thereafter kicked off my artist career. I recorded a five or six song EP and went on radio tour and opened for a bunch of cool artists, played downtown Nashville, all that fun stuff. And since then, I've been performing and recording. My newest release is called Revival. Please go check it out. So she seems like she's uh, making some moves right now, for sure. Yeah, she work working it. I know. And this hard. is like the third time I've heard the artist name Adam Craig within like the last week. So he's someone I guess to be on the lookout for. What else did we do? We ask, uh, We did. Question? We asked Katie uh, to tell us what music artists have inspired her career so far. There's been a lot that has influenced my music career. Starting at a young age, uh, grew up in church and around Christian music. So listening to artists like Amy Grant, Stephen Curtis Chapman, Mercy Me, I still do listen to Christian music like Phil Wickham, Carrie Job, etc. So gospel and Christian music has definitely influenced my sound and really who I am in life and as an artist. Aside from that, I guess country and rock. I grew up on like Bon Jovi and Shania Twain and stuff like that. So those also influenced my sound. Taylor Swift was a big influence for me for songwriting. I think her and I have a very similar writing style. I drew inspiration from her and she has impacted my career a lot. Currently, I'd say I love, love, love Kelsey Ballerini, Maren Morris, and Carrie Underwood. Just all powerful, female, all woman power, woman of country. So, (laughs) yeah, those are my current influences. There's plenty more that I'm not remembering right now, but yeah. Oh, she's like, yeah, so she's like, yeah, all all the basic... uh... All the all the big country names, all the big rock names, all the big Christian names, you know, she's kind of got her bases covered there. So anything else do we want to talk about before we end on this? Uh, yeah, remember to watch the Bono documentary if it's out. It's on Disney Plus. One of the one of the one of the worst episodes we've ever done. No. No question. Oh, come I on. I think we should just say that every oh, week. Oh, one of the worst episodes. <laughs> well, I guess we also didn't have a listener question this week, which maybe we'll have one next week. Those are always interesting. Anyway, so are we done? I think we're done. Are you about ready to get on out of this episode? You know it. All right, everyone. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the 9420 Podcast. For everything that we spoke about, you can go to our website, which is 9420.com. That is the numbers 94 and the letters T-W-E-N-T-Y. Until next time, we'll talk to you all later. 